Republicans win big in Virginia, possibly also in New Jersey. As a measure to defund the police goes down in flames in Minneapolis, plus more results from an off-year cycle full of surprises here. Plus, the other big news of the morning, kids as young as five can now get a COVID vaccine in this country as soon as today. we got a full show today. Wednesday need to know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for November 3rd. And I am Carlo Versano here once again with the Big Mac himself, Baker Machado. What's oh, up, dude? yeah. Hi, Carlo Versano. Happy hump day to you. Uh, I've always wondered, have you ever taken part in Movember? Because I feel like you could really pull off a mustache. Oh, I wish. No, I don't. I don't really grow facial hair. It's really a shame. Uh, I wish <laughs> that I could. Has that been case I, your whole life? Yeah, I just you know I'm very fair skinned and I'm blonde, so like when I when I don't shave, it looks like I just look skeevy and yes, like dirty. Yes, and I, yes. I don't. Can you grow? You could probably grow. I've, a I have. Right? I have before. Um, I actually did one time on this network. I grew a mustache, and actually, weirdly enough, I hosted a show with Joe Wagner, uh, and I actually feel like I pulled the mustache off, but the higher ups of the network did not think I pulled it off. So it lasted. <laughs> it lasted maybe a few hours. But I, listen, I, I was serving. Hot daddy realness that day with that mustache. I think mustache is a good look. My dad's been rocking one my whole life. Oh, and, yeah. you know, Same it's with worked my dad. out for him. Same with By I the way, was... Baker. No, Go I was just gonna I, I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say, can I have one request for you today? Yes. Try not to curse. Is that <laughs> yes, possible? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I I'm I, a lot of listeners have I've reached out to me, which by the way, the listeners on this podcast are amazing. I probably get <laughs> so many great compliments for the people on this podcast that listen to it. Um but yes, the number one complaint I got was uh hi, you swore. Can you please stop swearing on yes. this podcast while I'm trying to get I, my news? Uh so yes, I think I, two in two in a row, Baker. Two days in a row you've cursed. So let's yes, try and keep so, let's try and keep the uh, profanity to a minimum here. Not yes. that I have a problem with it. No, it just this makes is my a family show. This is a family exactly. show. Uh, <laughs> and with that, Carlo, we have so much news to dive into. Uh, so let's start with the election results, starting with the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Republican Glenn Youngkin defeating the Democrat Terry McAuliffe to become Virginia's next governor, the first Republican candidate to win stateside in a dozen years in that state. The Virginia results show that Youngkin won by threading a very tough needle. He appealed to suburban urban voters who were put off by Donald Trump, but he also appealed to the Trump base with the Republicans as well. Youngkin's campaign focused heavily on educational issues, and exit polls showed that independents broke for him late, especially in the suburbs. His lieutenant governor is going to be Winsome Sears, a conservative Republican and a military veteran who is projected to become the first female and first woman of color in the number two job in Richmond. Uh, so the polls seem to be pretty accurate, at least in terms of where we are going at in terms of yesterday. Today, Carlo. Meanwhile, uh, the other governor's race uh, on the ballot Ooh, yesterday in, in New Jersey, upset, still too close to, well, yeah, we don't know yet. It's too close to call this morning, uh, but that's a very bad sign for the incumbent, the Democrat governor, Phil Murphy. He was seen as a shoe in It had tightened in the, in the last uh, couple days. He was still projected to win. He still may easily win. Uh, we just don't know yet. But if New Jersey flips, that I think is a much bigger siren uh, to Democrats than Virginia. But just uh, speaking of Virginia, because that is the rate, the big race, and we know the results. Uh, there's a few takeaways here, I think. You know, um, so in that state, the the party that hasn't been in the White House has won all but one governor's race since the 1970s. So that's sort of what they call a thermostatic backlash, right? And off-year elections, suburban voters in uh, states like Virginia, particularly, tend to vote against the party in power. So that's 
not that surprising. It's a little bit surprising that McCullough seemed to be so ahead and then lost so much steam. Yeah, totally. In the, in the waning sort of uh, period of this race. But this, what does this show? I think it shows midterms are going to be about a couple things. They're going to be about critical race theory, but more broadly, issues of education, issues of school choice, also issues of public safety. Um, but, you know, the, Congress doesn't really have that much of an effect on is local issues like election. They, 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 don't, they don't control the school boards. But I do think the Republicans are going to look at what happened in Virginia and start to roll that out as their uh, strategy across the board um, next year. And I do think, Baker, just quickly, I, I think Democrats have got to get on the level with this stuff. You know, they cannot keep talking about the cultural issues that are happening in this country, the sort of cultural revolution that's happening, um, it's particularly in schools, as though it's nothing, as though Republicans are making it up out of thin air. You know, Tara McAuliffe ran a bad campaign. It was all Trump, Trump, Trump. He didn't really give right. people a reason to vote for him other than that he wasn't a Republican. But Trump's not on the ballot, at least not right now. And I think that shows that that's not going to work uh, for Democrats. They're not going to be able to, to get voters to go down to the polls to vote against Trump when he's you know playing golf in Mar-a-Lago. No, but I listen, do think it's also good point. to remember I, the last thing I'll say on Virginia is a lot of the backlash in Virginia is related specifically to COVID school closures, not even the, some of the critical race theory stuff or any of the other issues. It was specifically related to COVID. Virginia had one of the longest school closures in the entire country. The government there basically threw up its hands. They didn't get they didn't explain to parents what the metrics were for reopening. And I think that's a lot of what you saw last night. Yeah, look, Democrats in Virginia also putting the blame on, on Congress and the White House for not getting getting the infrastructure bills passed, somehow they were under mm -hmm. the assumption that that would have helped Terry McAuliffe to basically say, look at the infrastructure Maybe. Uh, d deals that basically helped. I don't know if that would have helped at the end of the day because I think you're spot on. I think this was a more localized race in terms of the school boards and all those other things. This also goes to show, and you're spot on here, that look, Trump was a great boogeyman for Democrats to rally to get voters to go to the polls in 2020. But when Trump is no longer on the ballot, and you are trying to make the race about somebody that's not there, this is a huge warning sign for Democrats. Quickly, I want to talk about uh, New Jersey governor's race because that, I think, is a, still kind of a little bit of a shock given the fact that Phil Murphy, for most polls, was up 6 to 10 percentage points in most of the polls. If there is potentially a break for him, most of the count that has not been counted are in heavily Democratic areas, and he's only 5 tenths of a percent behind uh, Jack Citarelli. But either way, this is going to really come down to the wire here. And if anything, this is going to give Republicans who are trying to sort of, like Glenn Youngkin, who are trying to thread the needle very delicately of appealing to President Trump's base, which is incredibly motivated right now to go to the polls, um, while also the suburban voters that backed Joe Biden over Donald Trump, can they appeal to them also? This sort of shows the template for Republicans heading into next year that they can basically have both of those things here. Yeah. Both these guys, by the way, New Jersey and uh, the Republicans in New Jersey and governor and uh, Virginia, you know, they're kind of they're like white guys in suits. They're not particularly like, uh, you know, they're not particularly like uh, controversial guys in and um, of themselves. Right. They're not particularly divisive figures. I should say Chitterelli in Virginia in New Jersey and uh, and Yunkin in Virginia. So that is also part of this. OK, so let's meet. Let's talk about some of the other races that happened as well. New York City voters easily elected Eric Adams to be the city's second black mayor yesterday in Buffalo. The Democratic incumbent Byron Brown declared victory over the socialist India Walton on a writing campaign that after Walton had beat him in the primary. Boston, meanwhile, getting 
herstory in that city because they elected the progressive Michelle Wu as mayor. They're ending a, a 199-year streak of a white man leading the city. She is the first female and first um, uh, person of color to be the mayor of Boston. And also a pair of open house seats in Ohio went to the Democrat and the Republican in those respective races, Carlo. Uh, yeah, it just in. I don't know if you saw this in New York yesterday. Curtis Lewa, the uh, colorful Republican, running very colorful, for, yes, uh, for mayor. I actually have sort of a soft spot for this guy. Uh, he tried to bring one of his seventeen rescue cats. Yes, uh, he to did the, to, the, <laughs> to vote with him, and the poll watchers wouldn't let him. They said no pets allowed. So he started screaming with his cat in hand, "Arrest me! Arrest me!" Right. So that's. That's how things are going in uh, America's uh, biggest city here. Uh, a couple all, a couple of ballot measures that were on uh, based on policing, also worth noting here. Minneapolis voters rejected a proposal to basically replace that city's police department with a new public safety department. Uh, voters in Austin actually overwhelmingly shot down a ballot measure to hire hundreds more cops. But the, the Minneapolis result is... Look, if you need yeah. any more evidence that defund the police is a toxic message uh, for Democrats, there you go. Especially in a very blue city like Minneapolis as well. Uh, meanwhile, Carla, let's talk about the pandemic here. Nearly 30 million children in the U.S. can now get a COVID vaccine as early as today. The CDC formally endorsing the Pfizer vaccine for kids 5 to 11 who will be inoculated with a smaller dose spread over two shots. The CDC is saying that every million doses now will prevent 58,000 cases in that respective age group. And we've seen over the course of the last couple months, uh, Carlo, a, a, a very big percentage of children are catching COVID at alarmingly high levels right now. Yeah, the good news is, of course, they're still um, mostly staying out of the hospital. Yes, uh, true. So, uh, so that, of course, is good. But the question on the Pfizer vaccine is how many parents are going to rush to get their kids vaccinated. Recent surveys, including one that we mentioned uh, uh, recently on this podcast from Kaiser, suggesting only about a third of parents plan to do that right away. But even that is about 10 million kids. And that's going to go a long way to getting us to this endemic phase of this virus. Um, you know, and the sooner the better. Uh, and also, this is coming right before the holidays, which is really good timing, I think, for parents who are worried about, um, you know, about gatherings and whatnot. Uh, so I think this is a probably I think a lot of parents in this country are breathing a, uh, a sigh of relief this morning with this news out of the CDC. Absolutely. I, uh, my niece, uh, who I'm seeing later this week, we've been eating outside with her f since mm -hmm. basically the start of the pandemic. And I know her parents incredibly happy for the first time that she, one, will get inoculated, but B, that she can finally join us inside in the winter months when we're having yeah, dinner. Yeah, for sure. Because again, that is just one thing that is always, uh, you know, uh, percolating on so many parents' minds right now. Let's talk about the World Series. We got a champ now, the Atlanta Braves World Series champions for the first time since 1995. The Braves cruised to a seven nothing win over the Astros in game six in Houston in a remarkable comeback for a franchise that was stuck below 500 as recently as August. And by the way, the Braves have had some really bad couple seasons, you know, before this, but really just stockpiled on some really good young draft picks, a very young team. Yeah. So if anything, the Braves set up for success for a long time to come, Carlo. Really exciting team too. Uh, last night, the big uh, the big moment was Atlanta's Jorge Soler put it just an exclamation point on this season, hitting a monster three run dinger that actually left Minute Maid Park in Houston. He hit it out of the park quite literally. Uh, Atlanta pitcher Max Fried threw six shutout innings to close the series, and remember the Braves win coming at the end of it, the year uh, that started with the death of Braves legend yep. Hank Aaron. So a fitting end to that season for for what's become one of the more exciting franchises in the sport. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And by the way, a lot of people thought that the Dodgers were going to be the front runners here when the Braves knocked out the Dodgers uh, in the NLCS. Everybody thought, okay, maybe this Braves team could potentially do this. And also yeah. Dusty Baker, now the manager of the Astros, uh, still winless as a World Series manager uh, for winning the World Series as a manager has still not been able to uh, to get that uh, that title there. Mm -hmm. Let's talk tech now. Uh, Facebook planning to shut down their facial recognition software. Parent company Meta says it will delete the facial scans of more than a billion users who have opted into the service over the last decade. So that means Facebook will no longer be able to automatically identify people for you to tag in your photos and your videos. The social media giant announcing the change, saying they want to find the right balance when it comes to the facial recognition technology that has been the subject of privacy concerns, lawsuits, investigations, and regulatory probes across the board, Carlo. This is a big one. Facebook Huge. getting out of uh, facial recognition, at least for now, is a big deal. Uh, this was controversial, if you remember, even back in 2010 when Facebook started rolling that feature out. And boy, we had no idea what this company would become back then. But uh, this, what was notable to me, uh, seeing this come over yesterday, it, I was shocked at how many people opted into this. 643 million, million Facebook users sit, clicked on a button that said it's okay for Facebook to, um, you know, uh, not only just recognize their facial you know, features, but to store that data on Facebook servers. I don't know why you would ever do that. But do you just, do you remember back in the early days of Facebook when people would dump like, like Monday morning, people oh, would yeah. dump like an album, like a digital yep. camera's yep. worth of photos from oh, like yeah. the party over the weekend and like it would, and you would, and you would get tagged, like Carlo has been tagged in oh, 27 yeah, yeah. photos. Oh yeah. And then you'd have to go in, then you'd have to go in and be like, well, I don't want this picture of me, you know, doing Drunk a beer bar. funnel. Yeah, I don't want that on the internet, right? It's like, I don't, nope, I didn't give you permission to put yes. that photo up there. And then you have to, like, de-tag yourself. I don't think people still do that. Uh, no, not as to. much. Not as much. But one thing I've noticed, though, people on Instagram, which, by the way, I've been using TikTok a lot more recently than, than Instagram because I'm a, you know, geriatric millennial. Um, <laughs> Instagram people, the new thing now is people to do a dump on their Instagram where it's basically like their post will be like 15, you know, photos. But you're right. Back in the day on Facebook, if you went out with your friends, the next day would be like X, you know, person, yeah. you know, just did 96 photos. And the craziest part about it is using the facial recognition technology, Facebook was able to identify you in like all of those photos, which yeah. is crazy. And, and by the way, this is not just, you know, Facebook, tech companies across the board from Apple knows your facial recognition to open up your phone sure. the Amazon facial rec facial recognition technology has also been incredibly controversial given the fact that they were working with law enforcement officials as well so even though it's kind of sold to you as sort of like making your life easier it is incredibly yeah. important and sensitive information that these tech companies then have as a result yeah very valuable so we'll see if Facebook actually deletes this stuff like they say they they will I just remember the last thing I'll say is just like I remember when this used to be like the thing when everybody would put their photos on Facebook and I just oh, remember yeah. thinking to myself like nobody is ever going to be able to like run for office anymore because no. everybody is no. going to have photos on the internet of them acting stupid or doing something that they oh, yeah. shouldn't be doing oh, but so then true. along came Donald Trump and I it's like no, actually everything. you're probably it, everything. actually it's 
you're probably better off. You're probably more likely to be hired. You know, the, the, the worse, <laughs> the, you the worse it, your internet footprint you, is. You say bring up such a funny point because, like, I look. I remember when Mitt Romney ran for president, and he had said that he a like had his dog like strapped to the top of the car, oh, yeah. and then he had Classic. his binder full of women, which was basically him saying that he, you know, it was a rolodex of women that he was going to hire. But the binder full of women comment was so bad back against Barack Obama that people thought, oh, he's done for as a result, and then open up the door for Donald Trump and everything changed afterwards. Yeah, All right, speaking of uh, the metaverse, let's talk about the metaverse here for a moment because Microsoft now working on its own version of the metaverse, complete with Excel and PowerPoint. At least we get that in the next phase of the internet. (laughs) The company joining Facebook in the metaverse race with a plan to build out a virtual world inside their team software specifically designed for office workers. Teams also getting 3D avatars that can be used in both 2D and 3D virtual meetings. That is a replacement for your real face for those days when you really just don't feel like turning on the webcam, Carlo. You at least have an avatar that at least looks funky and fun. Yeah, so fun. Just what this made-up technology <laughs> needs is uh, PowerPoint. I, yes. I, it's like, okay, great. Uh, I, what, I, you know, I was, I was watching this sort of like Microsoft uh, the, you know, presentation yesterday. Which I loved this. it. It was so good. I, these things are so funny to me because they yes. have these mock-ups of, you know, and they do this in the commercials too, like the commercials for Zoom or for Google Hangouts. And they have these mock-ups showing like your computer screen with everybody in the virtual meeting right, and like their yes. little Brady Bunch boxes. Yes. And everybody is like perfectly coiffed and they are like <laughs> sitting in front of like like modernist furniture and yes. they're perfectly lit. Yes. And it's like – we all know that that's not what these meetings actually no. look like in no. real life. Like we've all been doing this now, maybe like two years ago when sort of like virtual video conferencing was kind of a, uh, uh, you know, something that not everybody had been doing a lot of. Oh no, but we're in a dingy apartment. Yeah, but I mean, you look, you go on a virtual meeting, you know, you're gonna, you got one, half the people's cameras aren't on. Right. You got one guy who's, you know, broadcasting in front of his, like, disgusting studio apartment with, like, <laughs> dishes in the background. You've got a lady with her toddler, yep, you mm-hmm. know, facing behind her, uh, trying to work. You've got some guy who's, like, you know, his, his webcam is pointing up up his nostrils. Like, oh, yeah. His, then you got Jeffrey Tubin. You got all – you basically yes. got the whole gambit of different things. And you know what I like, loved so much? Really quickly, I just want to say one thing just on your point. What I love about the metaverse commercials we've seen from both Facebook and Microsoft is the array of different avatars that people are choosing. Some look like normal people. Some literally look like cartoon characters. Some literally are like dragons and animals and stuff like that. Can you imagine your next important meeting, like with HR or whatever, and the person on the yeah. other end is like – like, you know, a Super Mario Brothers character? I would fire that person if they work for me. <laughs> uh, seriously. This is, a, this is a workplace, people. We're, yes. here, we're here to do work. Oh. So, but I love it. I love it. And this is – so I, I just love sort of what the next iteration of our lives with the internet is basically going to become. And, and then the next question will be my mom's going to have to help me – I'm going to have to have help my mom set up her avatar, which is going to be my next yeah. thing I'm going to love so much. <laughs> um, we talked yesterday, Carla, because it's now Mariah Carey season, and it's November 3rd, and she has now re-entered the charts. And now, by law of the country's big coffee chains, they must also now start debuting their new <laughs> seasonal holiday 
holiday menus and their cups, all to signal the holidays now officially upon us. Dunkin' is launching, uh, launching two new Christmassy drinks today. That includes a white mocha hot chocolate, that alongside some other new food items, including pancakes, interestingly, for the first time. Starbucks still hasn't released their holiday cups or their menu just yet, but food bloggers out there are saying that it might happen tomorrow, and it may include a new sugar cookie almond milk latte. Um, have you ever heard, Carlo, of this thing called Thanksgiving? It is, <laughs> it is becoming a less and less relevant thing in our culture because of the holidays now. It is amazing. It used to be that the holidays, you really didn't get a sense of the holidays starting until the until Black Friday. That right, was like that was the, always the, the day. Now Black Friday was the changeover. Now it's like November 1st. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. I don't, even think we, crazy. I don't even think we have Halloween anymore. Like, I'm surprised that Christmas has not already started before Halloween. Yeah. I admit to being a sucker for some of these Starbucks holiday drinks, yes, I have to I say. The, the gingerbread too. latte in particular, which is embarrassing because I consider myself somewhat of a coffee snob. I was I a barista. That... I, make a big, I make a big deal about how I make my coffee, but then I'll go out and get one of these novelty drinks, which is kind of lame. Do you want the best but part? I love, is I'm yeah. the same, but I would never tell anybody. That's the funniest part. It's like, <laughs> it's like my deepest, yeah. darkest secret. Like I would rather tell my husband I'm having an affair on him than having a pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're all about honesty here. I do love a good Starbucks cup controversy, though. It feels very sort of like quaint right now. But do you remember that back in the, like a few years ago, people would get like on cue, they would get upset about the Starbucks holiday cups, like they weren't religious enough. Oh, yeah, or yes, they were yes, too religious. Yes, yes, yes. There was like this very difficult middle ground. And as somebody that who worked at Starbucks when they were in college, I experienced a yeah. lot of that as well. Uh, so yes, it's, it's sort of like this weird middle ground because then Starbucks was like, oh, we'll go to green cups. And the people were like, why are you getting rid of the red cups then? Because are you, you know, insulting no. those of us who celebrate Christmas? Then they brought out holiday blend instead of Christmas blend, and people were offended by that also. It's amazing what people will get worked up about. Uh, okay, anyway, more to know before we go, Baker. What we yes, got? indeed. President Biden angrily calling out Russia and China for blowing off the COP26 climate summit. He accused Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping of failing to show leadership when it came to the climate crisis, Carlo. Interestingly, Xi Jinping has still not left China since no. COVID. He, has, no, he hasn't, he hasn't gone. Yeah, he hasn't left that country for almost two years now. Uh, meanwhile, in Las Vegas, the Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III, he's being charged with felony DUI resulting in death after a fiery car crash near the Vegas Strip. Uh, according to police, Ruggs was behind the wheel of a Corvette that crashed into a Toyota RAV4, which then caught fire. The driver of the RAV4 died. Ruggs and his female passenger were severely injured. He has since been released by that team. Oh, what an awful story, Carla. Yeah. Meanwhile, we were talking about Zillow yesterday after they said that they would offload thousands of unsold homes in its inventory. The company now says they'll shut down that business entirely and also lay off 25% of their staff. The foray into algorithm-based home buying looks to have cost the company $550 million. A lot of money there. I remind, I remain, remain fascinated by this just because it's like I, I remember when this they started doing this. I was like, there's no way this is going to work. The home buying process is cannot be uh, like algorithm based. Like there's no. too much friction. There's too many stakeholders. It's too complicated. Way too sure much enough, overhead. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I was right, as always. Uh, no, the uh, Federal Reserve. <laughs> 
starting uh, kicking off a meeting today in which they're expected to announce they're going to start tapering the bond buying program that basically uh, kept the U.S. economy from collapsing during the pandemic. So keep an eye on the markets today. It could get yes. ugly out there. Yes, indeed. The safeguards basically getting pulled back just a little mm -hmm. bit there. Meanwhile, workers over at John Deere have rejected the company's contract proposal for the second time, now extending that strike indefinitely as Striketober becomes Strikevember now, Carlo. Strike Vember. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. No, but like I'm still I mean, or Movember. But I'm still. I'm, we're going to make it work. <laughs> I feel like we can make it work. We'll massage it a little bit. Kellogg's workers also uh, still on strike out there. The labor issues in this country really something uh, to watch. And honestly, Democrats they should be running on this kind of thing instead of whatever the heck it is that they're doing out there. You have a massive labor movement happening in this country, and. I, I, do, do the Democrats even know? Like, they're supposed to be the party of workers. I know. They, at least my, during my life. Has, has Biden even come out and said anything about these strikes? Has the White House put out any statements in solidarity with these workers? It's mind-boggling. And Biden was supposed party... to be the most pro-union president we've yeah. ever had. He came out and endorsed the unionization effort with Amazon in Alabama. And you're absolutely right, Carlo. I feel like this is a missed yeah. opportunity for Democrats. I don't know. I really don't know what they're doing right now. Uh, and finally, this one uh, looks good to me, at least. Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr. signing on for roles in the new Christopher Nolan movie, that movie called Oppenheimer. It's a biopic about the development of the atomic bomb and uh, the man who invented the atomic bomb, Robert Oppenheimer. Julian Murphy has been cast in the lead role. Uh, this film due out in summer of 2023. And, it's and the big be drama the big drama with all that, Christopher Nolan fighting with Warner Brothers because they put uh, Tenet, his other film, on HBO yeah. Max. So this essentially put his movie up for grabs for other uh, production companies yeah. to basically get because of that fight with HBO. That'll be a nice take. Um, you know, Tenet was not good, but I still am a Chris Nolan uh, Oh, he's know, this stuff fan. is the best. And by the way, he's still my favorite Batman director, too. Best one. Doug, I agree with that. Okay, Baker, well... On that note, a lot of news today. We sort of went off the rails, but that's okay. You <laughs> that's didn't what curse. we do. You didn't curse. That's what matters. Yes, man. yes, yes. One uh, day. <laughs> one day progress, guys. I'm working on it, okay? All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great Wednesday. That's what you need to know for November 3rd. We'll see you tomorrow.